Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Before today's podcast and with these ever-changing times, we wanted to let you know we're doing our best to continue to create the content you come to us for. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast, which is our usual mix of what we've been watching, doing and planning to cook in the coming weeks. We'll continue to bring our weekly podcast to you for as long as we can. And remember, there's lots of great podcasts available on our site to download already. Welcome to the Sheerlux Highlights podcast with me, Charlotte Collins. This week, I'm joined by Heather Steele, Lou Huff. And Harriet Russell. Hi guys. Hello. What has everybody been watching, listening to, up to? So I have binge watched this week Drive to Survive season two. And it is so good. I know Georgie was a massive fan of season one. And I watched a little bit of it because my boyfriend was really, really into it. But I don't know, I just, maybe I was not in the right frame of mind. I don't know. I just, I didn't connect the first time. This one is everything. For those of you who don't know, it's a documentary about F1 and the teams, but very much the drivers and the sort of the politics between the drivers and the teams. And there's two priority drivers within each team. And it's fascinating to know more about the personalities and all of the drama that kind of unfolds between the teams. I think I said on the podcast a few weeks ago that when it comes to documentaries, it sort of doesn't matter if you're interested in the subject matter yeah. because it just becomes interesting. But because I could not care less about F1, I've yeah. really struggled to bring myself to watch this. I agree. And I've, it's never been something that I thought I would be interested in. But I think because it's so much more about the dynamics of the team and the individuals, it's more about kind of human interaction mm-hmm. than the actual racing itself. That said, from them watching it, you do get quite hooked into it. And yeah, it's really, really interesting. So give it a go, I think. And Lewis Hamilton is in season two, isn't he? He yeah. is, yeah. He and not season one, yeah. He wasn't in the first one and he obviously saw how well received it was. And he comes across really, really, he really well, does, actually. doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. I've never really warmed to him from what I've seen in interviews of him before. But actually, I think, yeah, I really like him. Yeah. I, it was nice to have all 10 teams sort of featured this time rather than it felt like there was definitely something missing last time, not having two of the bigger teams. Yeah, it's quite weird to just not talk about that, yeah. Yeah. There's a series on the NFL on Amazon Prime, which I think is really similar. You like how things are made and like yeah. how things work. So that's another one that you should check out okay. because it's similar vibes, like what goes on behind the scenes. Yeah, I, think I loved it. Did you guys used to play Mario Kart when you were younger? <laughs> no, I wasn't allowed in Nintendo. Was oh, it on Heather? Nintendo? Yeah. yeah, it probably was Nintendo. No. Anyone else? Not on Nintendo, but I was an absolute Game Boy addict. Okay. And there was a very similar Mario yeah. kind of yeah. universe on I there. played Crazy Taxi on PlayStation, which was similar. Okay, so mm-hmm. I, obviously I can't liken it to F1. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a small feeling like I feel like when I'm watching it I can feel my legs like tensing as they, they go around a corner you, like, yeah, you, your yeah. body does move a bit with it, it but it's yeah it's just like really kind of high adrenaline and it's really different to kind of anything I normally watch so yeah, yeah I'm loving it yeah it's cool. good I think I found this series really interesting because when I watched the first one I didn't care at all and didn't know what was going to happen but obviously after watching the first series whenever I saw anything yeah. about F1 in the news I was like okay yeah. like paying attention 
to like, oh, who's one? Okay, yeah, I know who that is. So yeah, watching the second one, there's a death in Formula oh, Two so that sad. was last year, which was horrible, but they kind of focus on that in the yeah. new series. So yeah, it was definitely interesting to watch it this time, knowing a bit more mm. about what actually happened in the season. Okay, so Drive to Survive is on Netflix now. Yes. How many episodes in this latest season? I am on eight, and I think there are 10. I also have a documentary to recommend. I happen to catch this week child of our time which was back for a 20 year catch up so for those who don't remember child of our time was an experiment set up by the bbc in which they asked 21 couples who were about to have a baby to take part in a documentary series i don't know how long they're kind of contracted for but basically in which the bbc would check back every few years into the lives of those children to see how they've developed. And it's basically, you know, a study of a cross-section of society and how people from different backgrounds develop and why. So as I said, this is the 20-year catch-up. All those babies who initially featured are now 20 or turning 20. And it's fascinating on so many levels. A, if you remember them, it's really interesting. Like people come back in and you're like, oh my God, yes. And they show that all the old footage. And that's helpful. Really helpful. Yeah, most of it is about like, it's a kind of retrospective. So it's like, this is where they were. This is where they are now i don't know if you guys remember alison lapper who is the disabled artist she has no limbs and her son paris was one of the children who was initially involved in the project and he sadly committed suicide last year that was quite a big news story at the time so a lot of the talk in the catch-up is about mental health and about children's abilities to kind of withstand the modern age and they throw stats and figures into the documentary as well so everything from the extent to which people suffer from mental health slash the way in which people now talk about mental health a lot on divorce of the 21 couples who were initially involved um, 12 have now separated and so it's about how that has affected the children in different ways one of them sadly lost a mother to cancer and it's about the career path they're taking now and yeah how their childhoods shaped them in different ways and also how their parents and the types of people their parents were shaped them and I don't know if it's because they're part of the project but they're amazingly self-analytical they seem a kind of feature of that generation now I don't know I'm not 20 sadly but they are really able to kind of look back and say this shaped me in this way this shaped me in that way and yeah it's just an hour and I don't know how often they come back I remember they did one a few years ago probably when they turned 18 or something I imagine yeah yeah it's It's really really worth watching it was on BBC two I'm sure it's on catch up it's just brilliant yeah I can imagine it's also quite refreshing in the sense that you realize there is sort of no no one normal way to grow up yeah, and, totally. and that everyone has problems and everyone has challenges yeah. and and it was a real kind of examination of nature and nurture as well like there's mm. one girl who the way she perceives things isn't really what they look like to the outside you know the way she perceives her upbringing and her relationship with her parents and it really doesn't look like that and the whole point is there's kind of the evidence right mm. you've got those years worth of footage so yeah it's about personality and the way people perceive their own upbringings yeah. as much as fascinating how they, yeah how that brings affect you it's just so interesting yeah we're going to talk about using tin cans to cook now i think we've talked about something similar on the podcast before but it has never felt more pertinent and more topical given the current situation so we thought we'd revisit it with some stone cold advice on how to use what tin goods you may have you may have been lucky enough to get your hands on over the next few weeks and months so i want to know have you stashed up have you packed your cupboards filled with stuff lou you had a really unsuccessful <laughs> attempt at so, <laughs> shopping yesterday so everyone was panicking me in the office yesterday 
today and talking about stockpiling and what to get. Ocado was down, Sano's online was down, all the online delivery services were down. So I thought, okay, I'm just gonna have to go to Sano's on my lunch break and get stuff. So I went in and it was very calm in there and the shelves were very full, which then made me equally unsure what to purchase. So I literally found myself like walking up and down, like trying to think of what to get. And I came back with one pack of crumpets. We we both went out to do the same thing. I'd spent £60 in Waitrose. So so I had like 15 carry bags and Lou had six crumpets. I mean, I'm with you on that. I didn't know. And then the worst thing is I ate them for dinner last night. (laughs) So you're back to square one. Yeah. So yeah, I panicked and it wasn't very successful. Charlotte got loads. I did get loads. I'm not like buying too much into the panic. And I didn't buy anything fresh because I'm sure we'll be able to get your hands on that. Also, I'm like not a great cook. So I figured I should have as much in my armory as possible. Mm -hmm. And also I wanted to have options. So I wanted to get that done before there's only like X things left on the shelf. So yes, I did do some stockpiling. What about you guys? Yes, I feel quite emotionally conflicted about stockpiling because on the one hand, inevitably you feel like, well, if other people are going to do it, they're going to force me to do it. Mm -hmm. But for instance, I was thinking about buying this one particular item and then I thought, actually, that's so selfish because other people are going to need that too. Mm. And I was talking in the office this morning about a tweet from Pandora Sykes that she sent out last night about oh, yeah. speaking to her Ocado delivery man last night mm. about what was going on. And he said he had just come from a house where he had delivered 30 crates, crates. <gasps> of toilet paper to one home and I just think I mean that's not people are so weird I just I don't want to be too judgy about it because I understand it's a difficult time but equally to me that's incredibly selfish Mm. and really beyond the pale so part of me yes does appreciate that we need to be kind of having some dry goods Mm -hmm. and maybe some stuff as a standby but I refuse to be a selfish person who's taking options away from others I know we've all had this conversation before but like I still also don't really get the toilet paper thing it's not a stomach virus so Mm -hmm. I'm confused by the demand Heather have you been stockpiling? No I'm just going to go to Morrison's tomorrow and just see what there is because I think most of the supermarkets are saying like don't you worry because we're worrying about it we're Mm -hmm. doing all the hard work for you and we're ordering Mm -hmm. as much as necessary so yeah don't go wild in the aisle yeah, so I'll yeah. certainly and I think they are replanning exactly. every morning yeah. it's just then that those things are going really yeah. quickly they're but, sort of putting yeah. on extra deliveries and things so yeah, yeah I'm just yeah. gonna go and you know just buy probably more than I would do normally yeah. but also I mean I've got the smallest fridge so in That's terms it. of that like you put like two bags of spinach in it it's kind of full yeah, so yeah, yeah. Also, I don't know about you guys but if I'm working from home I if eat it's everything. there I'll yeah. eat it yeah. so I think yeah you've got to limit yourself yeah. Delivery sent out an email last night saying that they will do supermarket deliveries for you now that's well. interesting so, so if, if you haven't managed to get an Ocado slot that's another avenue to explore so whether you are emergency stockpiling or not presumably we all have some cupboard staples Heather I'm going to come to you first what have you got in your store cupboard what are your tin can essentials and what do you make with them so I know we're probably going to say the same thing here Lou and I have spoken about this before but yeah I just love sweet corn and you can put it yes Heather (laughs) and you can put it in loads of things so yeah that's certainly something I've got a lot of and obviously the normal things like tin tomatoes Mm. always useful so what what do you make with tin tomatoes you can make anything you can make a soup you can make a Mm. pasta sauce you can add it to stews you can add it to even like a roast chicken to make Mm -hmm. a, a sauce so yeah I think you 
could even eat them on their own, make tatsuko. But also, not necessarily cans, but I have just got loads of sort of Asian sauces and mm. essentials and vinegars and those sort of oils and things like that. Things to pimp noodles with. Exactly, mm. and lots of dried noodles as well, because yes. they're just as good dried as they are fresh, those noodles. So I've just got, I think if you've got some like tinned vegetables, dried noodles mm. and like basic Asian cupboard essentials, mm. then you can basically make anything. And sweet corn? I add that to everything. So like pasta, stir fries on its own. Sweet corn fritters. Exactly, yeah. You had, you had a yeah. fun dalliance with sweet corn fritters. Yeah, that is number one. I'm sure we've spoken about this loads, but Bill Granger's oh, sweet yeah. corn fritters at Granger nice. & Co are the best ever. And um, managed to track down his recipe. So they are a great even brunch or brinner mm-hmm. option. And it's basically eggs, sweet corn, flour, and spring onion. Yeah, so. Yum. Yeah, and you delish. can even do without the spring onion if you really could. Exactly, exactly. Good bit of ketchup. Exactly. Mm. I, I talked about these on the show this week, but I'm also going to get those onions, you know, those crispy onions oh, yeah. that go on everything. Yes. yes. Mm. They're delicious. Yeah. They, they pimp any dish. They do. They pimp absolutely. Maybe not puddings, citric. but anything else. <laughs> anything they add they a real. They do. Oh, I love onions yeah, so and much. And they're so crispy and so oh. delicious. Like, yeah, yes. Holy Grail. Harriet, what do you keep in your store cupboard? Yeah, definitely along the same lines, I think. Tin tomatoes, absolute staple on our lifestyle desk. We have all become become obsessed with these books that Tor put us onto, which are called The Roasting Tin. And oh I my gosh, you yeah, one. Oh. talking about these. It's yeah. very good, Liz. I thought the green one. Yes, very well, good. they're all excellent. And the benefit is obviously not only does everything go in one dish and you just stick it in the oven, it's that a lot of the ingredients are super simple based on store cupboard essentials. Mm-hmm. So nine times out of 10, you're going to have it already and yeah. you'll just need to pick up one or two things, mainly fresh ingredients, mm-hmm. which hopefully we'll be able to still get. So really easy. And I've probably made already, I've only had the book maybe a month and I've probably already made five or six things from it. So what's your favourite thing you've made from it? I really like this salmon dish which Tor says is the only one that doesn't work for her but it works for me which is bulgur wheat couscous as the kind of base. You just add a bit of vegetable stock to it and it sort of soaks up and then you lay salmon on top with pesto and pine nuts and then cook it all up for about 20 minutes I think. It's super quick. You bring it out and you just stir through some watercress through the couscous. You know? Nice. Mm. Really really easy healthy midweek meal but there are more indulgent choices in there me and Tor are both obsessed with the gnocchi which comes mm. with like it's basically a tricolore kind of oh, version what is a tray baked gnocchi oh, honestly yeah. it's so interesting isn't it that you could we were saying this the other week that you can even cook gnocchi in the oven yeah, yeah. but it's so so good you just put the gnocchi in a plastic bowl to begin with pour over boiling water leave it for about two minutes and then put it in the dish mm-hmm. mix all the other ingredients in stick it in the oven and what's amazing about baking it is it comes out kind of crispy mm-hmm. oh my god yeah, I know. Like fresh gnocchi to do this with. No, dry gnocchi. Yeah, because you just yeah. because you boil it first, it's it kind of yeah, yeah it kind of takes on that water so that it's sort of light and fluffy. Mm-hmm. But then you put it in the oven and it crisps up and it's got mozzarella and tomato and basil. Oh my dream! Oh, in terms of Friday night comfort food, I think I've yes. made that pretty much every week. She's got about four or five different versions of the book, but the one that I've got, <laughs> <So> <laughs> die hard. And the one that <laughs> I've got is basically yeah gnocchi, but with blue cheese and figs oh and and watercress, God. and that is also excellent but yeah we should also say about these books that what's brilliant about them is that at the beginning of every chapter it's sort of broken down by fish meat pasta whatever Mm -hmm. and at the beginning of every chapter they give you a guide to basically creating your own 
version of these dishes. So add a protein, add a fat, add a grain. And Tor was saying that her brother actually uses the guide more than he uses the recipes. Okay. So it's what it's more like maths. Like, yes. hit, put this together and this together and you'll Yeah, it's not dissimilar wide. to the food maths that we run on the site, mm-hmm. which is if you've got this, pair it with that mm-hmm. and pair it with that. So if you are looking through the store cupboard and you're thinking, gosh, I really don't know how to use this stuff or, you know, I've stockpiled all of this yeah. and none of it goes together. These books are great because they might hold the answer. Mm-hmm. I'm going to order that book. So that's exactly what I was thinking about when I went and did my stockpiling shop because I don't like sweet corn and I don't want to eat baked beans for the next month. And so it was really hard to think of, okay, how am I going to buy things that I like and that, you know, I'm not going to find kind of really depressing mm-hmm. and, and kind of childish almost. So I got things like pesto, like dried artichokes, sun-dried tomatoes, that kind of thing, which probably won't last me very long. They're exactly, I'll eat them all on Monday. For <laughs> but I did try to think, okay, what are the kind of food groups I like? Yeah. Like, so pasta is one of them. What are all the fun dried things I can eat with pasta? Same for Asian. Yeah. Not that far yet, but I'll get there. I'll think about that. I feel like that's a fresh thing. Mm. Yeah, but you can do it. Yeah, it's unhealthy if you don't yeah. do it fresh, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. It's just noodles Often and I think, sauce. <laughs> I always think of like the dry thing or the stock cupboard thing as like the base to the ingredient Mm -hmm. and then it's all the fresh bits on top which make it tasty for me so that's the thing of I struggle with thinking about things as a whole meal that have all come from dry long life items well you shouldn't because the feature that we wrote actually has some really good inspo for recipes that I actually don't think you'd need very much fresh at all there's a roasted courgette and cannellini bean dip presumably you'd want some fresh courgette I find courgettes last like a good month Mm. in the fridge actually oh my god easy yeah not to like eat raw but oh yeah they really last so then if you're going to make them into a dip anyway it's not like you need to be a nice taste texture this is really like anti-food rules and regulations i don't know but still delicious and that then just includes like olive oil garlic tahini and za'atar oh tahini that's a good one yeah you have that yeah yeah you can go down the whole middle east Mm -hmm. route as Mm -hmm. well i'd also have bamboo shoot and aubergine noodles and again i feel like there are so many veg now that you can buy in yeah that's what she's saying as well in this feature she's like you know don't be snobby about tinned veg because it still retains a lot of it sort of nutrition sometimes if it's raw it might you know if we've ever had like tinned peas they're not that nice but if you're cooking with them anyway they can be slightly frozen as well exactly Yeah. Yeah. yeah although freezer space is the thing that I really yes. struggle with. Artichoke carbonara is another one which sounds A, mm. banging, and B, fully store cupboardy, unless you want a sprinkle of parmesan. But again, yes. quite long that life, isn't a it? Long exactly. Time. And also smoked mackerel pate and quick pickles, which is right up my street. That sounds delicious. Sardis on toast is another one. I do like a good old baked beans on toast. Yeah, that is my ultimate comfort food. Mm. Delicious. All right, well, if you're looking for more tips on how to cook up delicious, healthy meals using store cupboard essentials, then do have a look at the feature on the site. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. We're going to talk about Pilates now. You inspired me, Lou, to throw this in there because you are a reformer fan and we've been talking about it a bit this week and the benefits of it. So I want to know, has everybody here tried reformer Pilates? And if so, are you into it? Lou, we'll come to you first. Yes, I am really into it. For me, exercising is never, I don't really like getting like super sweaty or feeling like you're burning off loads of calories. Or for me, it's not about wanting to lose weight. It's very much about wanting to feel toned and strengthened And that is really what Pilates is all about. It's the kind of precision within every movement and the control of your body and your core. And I also just find it super relaxing. I come away from a class and often if I've had a long day in the office, I think, oh, I just want to go home. But then after a class, I feel so good and like stronger and just rebalanced. And yeah, it's a great form of, I don't want to say meditation because it's not that, but it's sort of disconnect you yeah where do you do it i do it at frame at victoria they have about 12 beds per class so again it's quite hands-on with your instructor i actually got a little memo from my instructor the other day said i'd improved greatly so i was so impressed with that but yeah they do beginner classes the normal ones and then advanced as well so depending on which level you are at they cater for everyone harriet you into it Yes, I've also been to Frame at Victoria and done their classes. I think they are some of the most well-priced, shall mm-hmm. we say? Because yeah. it is expensive. It is. And that is possibly the only prohibitive thing. But yeah, I agree with everything Lou just said. I do do workouts where they're sort of more high intensity, sweaty, etc. Cycle is probably my fave. But yeah, I'm always looking for kind of ways to keep it sort of more varied. Yeah. And Reformer to me is the perfect way. I did a lot of ballet as a child. And so I think it's, if you don't want to do ballet as an adult, reformer is kind of my grown-up way of maybe Mm. getting back into that world a little bit because I think the ethos is very similar yeah it's also a lot about stretching as well and I have got really tight hamstrings and and I'm also not very flexible so having the aid of the machine really helps with my flexibility not that I can still touch my toes (laughs) but yeah it really helps with things like that I suppose my slight hesitation with reformer and I think a lot of people relate to this is you're quite exposed so you know when I'm in the cobalt studio no one can see quite how heavy I'm lifting or you know what I'm doing wrong whereas in reformer where I'm not particularly flexible and not that good at it I just feel really embarrassed but maybe I just need to get over that yeah and I don't think anyone is ever looking around at other people you're so focused on your own breathing and your own stretching and you know a lot of it is laid down so you can't see what other people are doing so I think I completely get that but I don't think you have got anything to worry about Heather have you done it? I've done one once, maybe like 15 years ago, and just didn't really enjoy it. But no, everything... It didn't even exist 15 years ago. It did. My mum is a yoga and Pilates instructor. She's been doing it for like 17 years. No, but Pilates. Yeah, not reformer Pilates. But no, I just didn't really enjoy it. But all of the things that you're talking about that you enjoy, I just get from yoga. Okay. Okay. So I've done yoga and Pilates without the beds and could not connect to them at all. It just didn't do it for me. I totally agree. Me too. Matt Pilates. Yeah. Is like the mm. most boring thing for me ever. Yeah. Reformer, I love. Because oh, reformer, reformer feels more like exercise, Completely. whereas Pilates feels like hard stretching, yeah. in my opinion. And mm. also it's things that you can't do with your own body strength. So mm. you're using the springs to enhance it. So that's why I think it's so much more intense than normal Pilates. Yeah, I agree. You. You but it's also it. more mm. supportive. Yeah. That's the thing to say. Like very often if I'm just lying on a mat and the teacher's saying, okay, do these sort of gradual sit-ups or whatever, mm. I just don't because yeah. I'm not strong enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Whereas when you've got the support of the machine to sort of assist you at least into the right sort of position, then at least getting sort of midway through the exercise is, Mm. it is actually easier. Even though, as you're saying, the sort of stretch or the feeling or the burn is more intense. Exactly. I can do a plank Mm -hmm. on the floor for like quite a long time. I like, I rate myself for how long I can plank for. I can plank on a reformer machine for sub 10 seconds. I find mm. it so hard. That's interesting. interesting. I'm completely the other way around. Yeah, I can do it on the floor, but as soon as I'm, I'm on a machine, so I'm piking, I'm going oh left my and right. God, the <laughs> piking is just so hard. We were talking yesterday about, you know, when you've got to do those mermaid things off the back of it, there's this like one mermaid, I'm gonna try. it's a bit like this. Oh my no God. It's not see. great for audio. <laughs> you kind of lean off to the side, you kind of yeah. cross your legs and sit kind of on the side of your bum and lean yourself backwards. Right. Like okay, this. I can kind of picture that yeah. mermaid ass. Yeah, it's just so hard. <laughs> it's oh, so hard. I would say though that I think any fitness class that you're new to feels exposing at the beginning. Mm. I can remember going to cycle for the first time and feeling like just because you're not really sure what the class is even going to entail, yeah. mm. you feel like everyone's looking at you and what have you. And of course they're not, but it is what it feels mm. like. So reformer was probably the same the first time i went in i was thinking my god i don't even know how to like put these springs on properly Mm. or whatever but as lou was saying they do beginner classes there so you're in a really really secure safe supported environment that's what's great about frame i've gone to hardcore i've been enough times now that i don't feel awful there are just some very good people there that's all but hardcore is just i love it and the whole environment is so lovely it's really expensive Mm. it's like a 28 pound class that is really expensive yeah how much are the ones that frame out of interest frame is i think it's 24 or 22 if you just pay by class but if you have a frame card in which you basically top up like yeah. 50 pounds at a time then it goes down to 18 okay which yeah it is expensive but for me i would much rather do that twice a week mm-hmm. than have a gym membership a yeah, that yeah. I only go to every day, I, so. a good thing that a colleague said to me once as well was any of these fitness classes now just think of it like a round of drinks yeah and think of it like an investment in your health instead mm-hmm. of having a round of drinks so it just it's priorities yeah. isn't it what you want to spend your money on yeah. i'm not going to tell anyone to do it exactly. but if it makes you, you feel good yeah, yeah. Mm. exactly yeah. all right well if you are looking to try out reformer and we must say there are reformer studios all over the country mm-hmm. now as well it's not just based in london have a look at the feature on the site it has tips actually for all kinds of pilates whether you are prepared to get on reformer bed or not <laughs> we're going to talk about fashion now we wrote a feature on the designer pieces you should buy vintage whether it's handbags Burberry trenches or jewelry we rounded up the key pieces that you should be looking looking for if you're after a vintage buy. Leo, I'll come to you first. Have you ever bought anything vintage? I haven't actually, but I have just sold a Burberry trench on eBay. It's not that I'm against buying vintage. I think there's never been till this point a vintage piece that I have been longing for. But there are so many incredible kind of vintage and resale sites available now that definitely I think those real high ticket pieces you know, like an Hermes Birkin, a lot of Cartier, you often don't need to buy brand new and you can save a significant amount of money mm. going vintage. They can also be cooler. Yeah, vintage exactly. As well. Harry, have you bought anything vintage? I have actually. It's probably one of my biggest sort of shopping regret stories in a way. Mm-hmm. Not because the piece I bought wasn't sort of what I hoped. In fact, it was beyond my wildest expectations. It was on Vestier and it was a Louis Vuitton. It was one of their sort of older classic designs. I think they call it the Noé bucket bag. Mm-hmm. And it was in the monogram print. And this was probably about five years ago when monogram was having a little bit of a resurgence all over the shop, mm-hmm. not just at brands like Louis Vuitton. And I got it and loved it. And there are pictures of me on holiday with it and stuff. 
and it was such a good price and it was in such flawless condition I was really really impressed and then I just sort of went off that whole look so I sold it again and got a good price for mm-hmm. it and it was absolutely fine but I really really wish I hadn't sold it now oh really mm-hmm. yeah Amazing. I yeah. really really regret it I just think pieces like that might sort of come in and out of favour yeah. but ultimately they're timeless there's definitely some classic pieces which as you say will never ever date yes there'll be times when they're more favourable mm-hmm. than others but you should always always hold on to them even if it's just yeah. for your children yeah I just did a big clear out so I've sold loads on Depop over the last few weeks I've made a thousand pounds wow really? and are and we talking like nice things yeah so okay. a lot of people do sell lots of high street stuff on Depop personally with the aggro that that entails I'd rather give it to charity and give it to a new home and not make 18 quid on a t-shirt so yeah it's not like really expensive things those I have sold through Vestiaire in the past if there has been like a designer bag or something but it's kind of just the most reliable easy you can kind of see the engagement with it because it's kind of like a social mm-hmm. network you know I've had in the past where you've put things on certain platforms and then they just kind of sit there and that's that mm-hmm. yeah so so Depop I like that people kind of like okay. your comment mm-hmm. and they send you messages I don't know it just feels more yeah. interactive and it's quite interlinked with Instagram so I found yeah. that kind of useful and what kind of brands and then price point sort of against their retail value sure. would you be going for uh, every Everything I sold, I've had for years and years and years and has actually been sitting in a pile of things I must sell for a long okay. time. So I went quite cheap on quite a lot of stuff because... You want to get rid of I it. I knew I didn't want it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. there's a temptation to put it on there, but actually, yeah, I want to get rid of yeah. it. Exactly. Yeah. So I sold old outlet purchases. So I bought an Alexander Wang jumper that I, I bought in a set, a clearance, got overexcited, never wore. A Marcus Lymford jumper, which, yeah, I'm just a bit over. A leather jacket, just bits like that, that mm-hmm. can, everything was around I could sell for like 70 to 120 pounds that was kind of my bracket and then then I did get a bit excited on like phase two of my clear out <laughs> I have a Moncler that I just like literally haven't worn it's so difficult what you were saying I was thinking about the Moncler as you were talking about your bag because it's a size small and so it's just a bit snug which just yeah. so isn't my style but maybe one day I'll really regret selling a perfect Moncler yeah. for 250 quid I, I don't might know, I do think fit is important mm-hmm. I yeah. think you can love it so much but if it doesn't look good on you yeah. or it's not the right size yeah. you can't change that and to be fair that's why you sold your Burberry trench isn't exactly, it? Yeah. exactly it was way too small for me I don't like it being too fitted mm-hmm. on the shoulders so I held on to it for I think about two years and I literally never ever wore it so it was time to pass and I'm going to put that money towards something else exactly that's it so the money that I've used to sell all of that stuff I'm certainly not going to use that for like lunch like I'm putting that aside and it will be reinvested into whether it's clothes or I don't know a sofa whatever like something something that's an investment I would like to make it I know but then at the same time going through that whole process made me realise how I still have so many clothes and there's only Mm -hmm. so much that you need and and I liked the kind of sustainability side of, of giving that stuff a new home Mm-hmm. So, I mean, maybe I'll buy one. You could get, I was going to say, it. you have yeah. one high ticket item exactly. of something you've always yeah. wanted. Yeah, yeah, or like a piece of jewelry or a watch yeah, or something. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, maybe one investment. And thing. buying that thing vintage, again, you're mm-hmm. sort of part of that circle. Oh, of, I see. You, yeah, 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 I could do something. But yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. I could buy something vintage there. Heather, you're a vintage lover. Yeah, I used to be much better at it. I used to be constantly sort of rifling through mm-hmm. shops and stuff, but I don't tend to do that as much anymore. Would you look for certain brands or were you just looking for things you loved? Yeah, just things I love, especially when I used to do it, I wasn't necessarily looking for vintage designer stuff. It was just more a sort of style or an era of clothing I really mm-hmm. liked more than anything. What I was, think what the areas that you like? Quite a lot of sort of 40s stuff and 70s stuff, mm-hmm. I'd say. 
generally. But yeah, I'm the same as you. I need to clear out a lot of my stuff. And I've certainly got a whole pile of things that I haven't worn since I moved into the flat two and a bit years ago. So I think before I leave, I'm going to try it all on. And yeah, Mm. I know for a fact that some of it's not going to fit or look right. And that's just going to go straight to the charity shop. You should do a Sherlock's like garage set. Yeah, like a swap shop, 100%. So good. There's a really good tip that you can try where you hang everything with the hangers pointed in one direction. Harriet's getting very excited and animated. <laughs> yes, I, hang- I know this tip well. Okay. And so I think it works. You do. Okay. Yes. So you hang all your hangers in one direction and then when you wear an item, you then flip the hanger in the opposite direction. And so then after six months or however long, yes. you look and you're like, well, I haven't worn any of this for six months. So the only thing I would say is what we've been saying in this whole conversation, which there are going to be pieces which maybe are sentimental yeah. or you know that or maybe... occasion. It's, yeah, occasion. Yeah. Or it's just not the moment. Like maybe temporarily it's not on trend Mm -hmm. but it will come back around and if you don't turn the hang around doesn't mean that you don't love it exactly I have a pink suit that I bought a year ago that I haven't really been able to wear because hi we live in London Mm. but I still love it so Mm. you have to make exceptions don't you so if you are going to shop vintage if you want to buy something that you've had your eye on for a while what are your tips Lou I think really look at the quality and condition of the product i think the price of like for example if we're talking about a chanel handbag they can often go for as much as they are new sometimes i think with leather handbags it actually look better with a little Mm -hmm. bit of wear particularly with chanel but you don't want to get anything that is has got too many scratches on or marks saying that you obviously can get them reupholstered like you did with your shoes from the Mm -hmm. restaurant recently So yeah, I think that would be my number one thing. Just look if there's any sort of scratches and niggles and often with these high price point items, you've been thinking about them for a long time and you're waiting for the right color, the right shape, the right size to come in. So often I think it's easy to think, okay, that's the one, Mm -hmm. but actually... If you wait, you might get one, which is exactly what you wanted. Don't compromise. Exactly. Heather? I'm just nodding because, yeah, I've got my eye on a particular vintage sofa at the moment. So not clothes, but yeah, again, at the moment, just trying to get an idea of what's a good price for it. Mm -hmm. So just trying to like really, really research. I think you've got to do that for a while until, like you say, you know, oh, that's in good condition. That's a good price. Let's go for it. And you're so right. I think do your research with how much they are meant Mm -hmm. to sell for, whether they're X amount of years old or, or a certain variety yeah. so that you know you're not being sort of taken for a mug and mm. I suppose how rare they actually mm. are because if you can't really find them very often then okay maybe it is worth paying a bit more for them mm. rather than sort of waiting for years to get yeah. the item of your dream uh, yeah. maybe this is a different conversation but where does one track down multiple versions of a vintage um well obviously you can look at ebay but mm. I'm using Vinteria which is an amazing website <laughs> if you like any furniture for any era they've got sort of mid-century stuff they've got art deco they've got stuff from across the world different places but yeah you can see lots of different items that are exactly the same from different vendors it's a bit like ebay and any of those other sites mm-hmm. do you ever use first dibs i was just about to no say, i've never heard of that yeah, tell so, me so first dibs is an online auction right. site uh, but you can buy things you can buy things straight off it's expensive at first glance it's really expensive and yeah they sell mm-hmm. furniture birkins whatever at like uh, you know super high price points but if you filter by price you know go like yeah. price mm-hmm. ascending it's really surprising oh, that's actually good yeah, yeah yeah particularly for furniture they've got chairs kind of upwards of like 100 pounds okay yeah, yeah. 
Yes, Good. it's way more on there than you would imagine. Mm. So yeah, Oops. have a look. Have a look. Cool. At the first I shop first dibs. Thanks, first guys. Dibs. Harriet, any final tips for vintage shopping? I think just kind of what I said before, which is try and have a bit of a strategy about it. You know, if you're trying to shift something that is sort of having a moment, then try and let go of it at the moment because you are going to get the best price. I would say, for instance, I have a Chloe Drew bag that I loved and I bought it as a treat when I completed my house purchase because it was so stressful. Sure, because you just had so much money money left over. I did actually come in under budget, which was one of the reasons that I did have some money left over. would love you. (laughs) Yeah, so it was a bit of a like, well done me for getting through it. And at the time, I absolutely loved it. And of course, now a Drew bag is kind of a bit Mm. passe. And I've tried to sell it multiple times, but no one's bitten. And it's in really good condition. And actually, I've now sort of resigned myself to the idea of just hanging on to it and looking at it as actually every time I look at it, I remember that feeling Mm -hmm. of triumph Mm -hmm. of, you know, getting through what was a very stressful period. And I love that about clothes and accessories anyway, is that they are markers throughout Mm -hmm. your life. And some things are not about making money and shifting stuff yeah. and sometimes you've got to hang on to some treasures I think we'll leave it there if you have any feedback at all please do email podcast at shalax.com we love hearing from you don't forget also to rate, review, subscribe and tell your friends bye-bye hey it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to Quince I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.